We Three Kings. Of Orientar. Right, you know this song, but you only know verse one. <laughs> like me, when I started to study this song. Even as a worship leader, I would never do We Three Kings as like a song to lead worship with. When I pick Christmas songs for worship, I pick ones that are more congregational worship songs, not storytelling songs. This song actually, though, really surprised me with how great it is. Once you get past a couple little problems. <laughs> so, so like a lot of people we know. <laughs> um, so this song was written in 1857. 1857 for a Christmas pageant and in New York. And if that, if that helps you understand why the song's written the way it's written, it's sung from the perspective of the kings. They showed up at the pageant. We three kings of all. And how many pageants has it been in since then? Quite a few, I imagine. Um, now, there's a couple issues I'll just point out real quick. Um, in the first verse, it says that there were three kings. Well, they weren't kings. They were magi. We don't necessarily think they were kings. They may have been in some sense considered a type of royalty, but not, not really kings. Um, there weren't necessarily three kings. There were three of something. What were there three of? There were three gifts. And so people already hate this song, right? There are three kings of magi and their gift. But let me just point this out. At least acknowledge that all it's getting wrong are the trivial points, not the theological points. The theology of this song is fantastic. And if you're going to mess up on trivia or theology, I'd rather you mess up on the trivia personally. So let's, uh, let's, let's not miss out on this amazing song. So the first verse we know in the chorus, O star of wonder, star of night, star with royal beauty bright, westward leading, they were heading west from the east, so it's leading them. Still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light, which I take as a reference to Jesus. He's the perfect light. The star is guiding them to its perfect light. Well, they're obviously not arriving at the star. So, this, so the perfect light is Jesus. He's the one. This is very useful for a play. They're journeying. But now it gets great because now for the rest of the song, each gift is addressed with its theological implications. Have you heard these verses? The next verse says, Born a king on Bethlehem's plain, gold I bring to crown him again, king forever, ceasing never, over us all to reign. Boom! Like, that's awesome! This is, this is the glory of Christ. And it's, here's the points, right? The gift of gold speaks of royalty. That's what the gold speaks of. It speaks of royalty. And Jesus is crowned by the offering of this gold to him as a baby. And he says, gold I bring to crown him again, because the, the writer of the song wants to be careful to note, Jesus is already king. He's already the king, and I bring this gold to acknowledge that and to crown him again. King forever, ceasing never, in case you didn't get the point, but a beautiful, beautiful way to put it, over us all to reign. And this spoken in the song by one of these wise men who is a Gentile who says of the king of the Jews that he will reign over everyone, including the Gentiles. I like that. The next verse is about the frankincense, these three gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So frankincense to offer have I. Incense owns a deity nigh. Prayer and praising all men raising. Worship him, God most high. There is so much actually in here. Um, frankincense is a type of incense, as you may have just figured out on your own through the name itself, Frank Incense. Um, it was used in temple worship in Israel in particular. God gave an actual special recipe for the type of incense they would burn in the temple. And one of the major ingredients was frankincense. They would have that in the, uh, in the temple. Um, so it was used for worshiping God. And that particular recipe, the Israelites were not allowed to use that recipe for anything else. 
So it's, in other words, worship belongs to God alone. It says, incense owns a deity nigh. What does that mean? Owns means, um, it means a few different things. You know the obvious meaning, like you own something. But it also means like you're owning up to something or you're um, acknowledging something. Pardon me. So incense acknowledges a deity nigh. A deity nigh means God is here. God is here. That's what the incense is doing. The frankincense as an offer that represents worship is saying, well, we only worship God. And here we are bowing in worship before this baby. Why do you suppose that is? It's like when Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good but God. You know, <laughs> he probably didn't do that. Don't, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I guess just me being stupid. Um, so incense, incense, as you burn incense, which is not a pagan thing. Incense is just incense. If you want to burn incense, go ahead. And, um, and certainly the Jews did. <laughs> certainly God made them do it, actually. But incense, as it burns, the, the smoke goes up and it's supposed to represent praise and worship to God for a few reasons. One, the aroma, the smell goes up. So symbolically, it's going up to the Lord. Um, and it's also a sweet aroma. It's a pleasant odor. And that's the idea. God, our worship is a pleasing thing to you. And so prayer and praising all men, raising, worship him God most high. So the, so he, so the, the picture in the verse is this. I'm the guy who brings the incense and offers it to Jesus. Oh, the symbolism is that you are to be praised. So now I'm turning and I'm asking all of you, do this incense thing. Raise your hearts in worship to the Lord. Be that sweet perfume to him as you praise Jesus because he is a deity nigh. He's God with us. Powerful. Then we get to the, to the, uh, the next verse about myrrh, M-Y-R-R-H. Good luck spelling that without someone helping you. Myrrh is mine, its bitter perfume, breathes a life of gathering gloom, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in the stone-cold tomb. Myrrh had two uses in particular that were highlighted. It was one of the chief ingredients in the anointing oil that also was used in the temple. It was, it was one of the, there was only one other ingredient that they used as much of as myrrh. It was like use this much myrrh, this much of, I forget what the other one was. And the rest were other sundry ingredients. So myrrh was a dominant odor from the anointing oil. It wasn't just like olive oil. It was like this very, um, fragrant oil. Priests in the tabernacle, Aaron, his sons, all of them were anointed with this oil that had myrrh in it. So that's one element. And so we see in this, Jesus is our priest who goes to be the sacrifice for us, right? He's the go-between. The priest would, you know, get God in one hand, man in the other, and seek to unite them. This is the symbolism of the priest. And Jesus is our high priest. And here he is receiving this myrrh. But myrrh was also used in the scripture for one other purpose. Anybody know what it is? Embalming. Myrrh was used for a deceased loved one. We read about this in John 19. The next time myrrh shows up in Jesus's life is at his death. In John 19, 39, it says, And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds. And he took the body of Jesus down, wrapped him, put him into the tomb. So Jesus, he gets myrrh where? At his birth and at his death. Wow. So the picture here is of Christ dying. In fact, that's where it gets into these words, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying. 
sorrowing. Jesus is a man of sorrows acquainted with the grief. It says in Isaiah 53 verse 3. But he was carrying our sorrows, it says. In Matthew 26, 38, Jesus said, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch with me. That moment's right before he was taken away to be, to be paraded around for illegal courts at night and then crucified. He says, my soul sorrowful even to death. Yes, he felt the deep sorrow. And they were like, Jesus, where's your joy? Oh, it was for the joy set before him that he endured the shame. So he had joy, but joy is not the absence of sorrow. I wish. <laughs> And I could just be like, yeah. No, it's sorrow's a real deal here. And Jesus felt it intensely. Sorrowing, sighing, it says. And you know what sighing is, right? Sighing is just that wordless, uh, like I'm just emoting, you know? Like, like a real life version of emojis is just sighing, you know? And, and the idea here is that Jesus was, was, he went through such intense burdens for us. He didn't just live a good life. He bore the guilt and shame of my wickedness and your wickedness and every human and every wicked thing. It says he became sin. And I can't even, I can't imagine it. So he's sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, speaking of the blood of Jesus Christ, because it was his blood and the life is in the blood. It was his life that was paid for us. And then finally dying. And for us to just know this, even at Christmas, to realize like Jesus is not the eternal baby in the manger. And every time we think about this baby in the manger, we need to think about the, the God of all creation who came in human form, who lived and suffered and died for us, and who is reigning and will return. And let that be the, the Christ that we, that we glorify. And then it says, sealed in the stone-cold tomb. I'm glad that's not the end of this song. But it speaks obviously of Christ's death for us. Um, now, notice, just backing up a little bit, myrrh is mine, it's bitter perfume. What a beautiful songwriting way to put this. Bitter perfume, because you take a word bitter, which is like, ugh, and perfume, which is like, oh, nice. And this is exactly what we see when we look at Christ's sacrifice for us. Our hearts break, and we feel the bitterness of it, and we're like, oh, what you went through for me. But it's beautiful, and it's glorious, and it's it's. It's a perfume, fragrant and pleasing to God for, for me. Um, so find the final verse, and here's where we'll end tonight. It says, glorious now, behold him arise, king and God and sacrifice. Alleluia, alleluia, earth to heaven replies. Glorious now, behold him arise is, is speaking of the resurrection. Jesus rises, he's resurrected, he's alive from the dead. And so we're glorying in this fact. And then it gives this summary of what? The three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, king, God, and sacrifice. There's those three gifts again, right in the very last verse. Now, this is great songwriting, in my opinion. Um, and then, alleluia, alleluia, earth to heaven replies. Finally, we've talked about everything he's done, everything he is, and we just respond with what? Praise the Lord, God is good. Um, lyrics matter. <laughs>